0: It's that dad's strength, right? That old man's strength, yes. That's great. So I, I want to talk to you a little bit about dads, and I don't want to talk to you about this kind, of, uh, um, this kind of desire, this kind of characteristic of a dad that when they are, their kids are in need, they step up. They kind of enter into this idea, and there's a great, great story in Scripture where Jesus interacts with a certain dad, and I think it has so much to say about it. So let's, let's read this, a little bit of this story. It's in Mark chapter 5. It's one of my favorite stories, if not my favorite story in all of Scripture, and it's, uh, it's a story about Jairus, and this is what it says. It says, Mark chapter 5, verse 21, when Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, meaning he had crossed over one time to the, to, which would be the east side, of the of the sea of Galilee and then now he's crossed back over into Galilee into Capernaum probably and a large crowd gathered him while he was by the lake then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, a synagogue ruler is someone who's kind of the custodian, kind of the overseer, kind of the caretaker of the actual synagogue building. In Jewish culture, you had a temple, one temple in Jerusalem, and then every little city or town had their own little local church, so to speak, and it was called a synagogue. And the priest or the rabbi would oversee the the religious functions of that place, but all the rest of the administrative functions, the staffing, the care, the upkeep, all of this was, was done by the synagogue rulers. This is a pretty prestigious position. It's a guy with influence, a guy with money. And right now, the Jewish synagogues, the Jewish culture isn't quite sure who this Jesus guy is. He's been doing a lot of amazing things. He's able to attract a large crowd, and they're worried sometimes about the crowd because the crowd comes with power, and with power it comes with influence. And the Jewish culture, which was centered around any kind of religion, is centered around power and control. They could control the people to some degree based upon their influence. And they were afraid a little bit of Jesus rising up this number of people. This large crowd gathered around him to take over. So now you have the synagogue ruler coming to him, falling at his feet, pleading with him. And this is what he said. He pleaded earnestly with him. Here's his issue. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him and a large cloud followed and pressed around him. Very interesting to me that this, this man comes up. Now, basically, uh, I can kind of relate to this. If you're a dad, you know this. You, you kind of like to be, uh, at least I do in my life, I like to be in control of my house. I like to know what's going on. But there's some times where I feel out of control, and it's those times where I feel out of control that I feel the most insecure, the most, the most vulnerable. And at this particular point, you have to believe that this guy has tried everything else to get his daughter healed, He's tried, he's gone every single place he could go to. He can't find any help, so he goes to Jesus. And he's trusting and hoping that Jesus would heal him, heal his daughter. And so then, Jesus agrees, and they take off in the midst of this large, large crowd, working through this crowd, trying to get to Jairus' home, where his daughter is. Well, the story continues, and it says, As a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, so this is just a woman kind of in the crowd. She plays a part in the story, as some of you may know. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, but all had spent all she had. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. When Jesus heard about this, when she, when she heard about Jesus, pardon me, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touched his clothes, I would be healed. Now, you got to understand something in this particular culture, that women weren't allowed to interact with men on an equal footing. They had certain protocol they had to do. They weren't allowed to touch men at all. And here she is breaking culture, breaking customs, by sneaking up to Jesus in the midst of the crowd. Now, even if you're in the middle of a crowd, I've experienced this when I've gone to the Middle East, you can't can't just kind of rub shoulders. You can't just kind of bump up against a woman, even in the middle of a crowd. Okay? They actually, in the big crowds, in the mosques, they separate them. Men over here and women over here. It's like a, it's like a middle school dance. No interaction. No touching. Okay? No talking. I'm going to institute that in my house, okay, Hannah? No talking or touching, boys, forever. Okay? She's got it. She's got it down. Okay. so. Um, you see the custom here. She's breaking this custom. Why is she breaking the custom? She is desperate as well, similar to the desperation of Jairus. She needs help. Now let's just stop right there. Have you ever been there? I need help. There's there's no other place. I've tried everything else. I've tried doctors. I've tried books. I've tried self help. I've tried counseling. I've tried everything. I need help. This is a very, very psychological, very key point to get to. Most people approach Jesus with this idea. And let me tell you, Jesus will never turn you away. I don't, come, I don't care if you come with him with preconceived notions. I don't care if you come with him with a troubled past. I don't care if you come with him with regrets. I don't care if you come with him and you've actually told him off in the past and turned your back on him in the past he's just happy you came. He's just happy you showed up. He's just happy you come to him. I don't care if you come to him and fall on the knees before him and plead that you come and heal your daughter, or I don't care if you sneak up behind with this idea of I just want to touch his clothes and break custom and probably offend him and everyone else. He does not care because this is what happens. Now, immediately, her bleeding stopped. Immediately, she's healed. Immediately, the thing that she has experienced for 12 years and cost her all the money she had and all the ridicule that she had. Now, basically, in Jewish custom, any kind of bleeding uh, disease that this was made her unclean. So not only is she a woman, but she has a disease that doesn't let her interact with anyone religious. She hadn't been able to go to church She had to be able to socialize. She pretty much had to stay in her house and maybe only go out for doctor's visits. And she spent all the money. She's got no future, no hope. And then in one moment, it's healed. And she was freed from her suffering. Some of you guys know what that word is. Some of you guys, you know exactly what it means to suffer. Maybe financially, maybe with the disease maybe with an addiction, you know what it means to suffer. And Jesus, in this moment, frees her. And once Jesus realized that the power had gone on from him, he realized something happened. He realized in this moment that something powerful had happened to this woman. And he's looking around for her. He turned around in the crowd and says, who touched my clothes? The disciples, who this is probably what I would say, are you kidding me? Who touched you? Everyone's touching you, Jesus. We've got like a million people around us, right? You want us to find one person in the middle of this crowd? And yet you ask, who touched me? Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. Now, this is amazing. She's the one that comes forward. She's the one that realizes, oh, no, even though I'm freed from my suffering, she approaches Jesus probably expecting to be beaten, probably expecting to be ridiculed and ostracized because here she are, sneakingly snuck up to this man just to find relief for herself. She falls on him, and I love what Mark says, and told, her, told him the whole truth. Now let me tell you, I, uh, I have the gift gab. I use 100 words when two will do. I know what it's like to verbally vomit on people. And this is what she's doing. She falls down there, oh Jesus, I'm so sorry I'm gonna, I just thought if I can touch your clothes, I can really be healed. I've been 12 years, I've done all my money, I don't have any money, they don't let me come out the, the synagogue and the rulers, they don't want me there and I don't want to do it so I, thought if I touch your clothes, I can be healed, and that's what I did. I, I, I don't want you to hurt me, but I, I'm there. Can you help me? I'm happy. I'm scared. I'm free, I don't know. Can you help me, Jesus? Thank you. Jesus' response to her is beautiful. And not just in the point that he doesn't hit her, that's a good thing, but he empowers her. He says this, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now you compare this particular word to the other times that Jesus has Uh, responding to someone who has faced healing. And he tells them different things. It's strange. Jesus makes you do weird things after you experience him. But he doesn't even reference any of this. He doesn't say, yes, dear daughter, the power of God has touched you. Please run to the synagogue and give thanks and praise God. Please turn from your wicked ways. He doesn't say any of that. In fact, he didn't even reference God at all. He puts it all on her. Hey. Your faith, your passion, your desire, your desperation brought you this healing. Wow. A lot of times in church, a lot of times when it comes to Jesus, we think, hey, come to us, fix yourself Get yourself ready. Get yourself um, nice and cleaned up. And then Jesus will accept you. And you might find that healing. Jesus doesn't say any of that. He says it was all because of you. Now when's the last time you think this lady's heard that? When's the last time you think that she felt that level of empowerment? Gratitude. I think she picked her head up. I don't know. It's probably a total break of culture, but I bet you she uh, at least looked at him and said, thank you. Maybe she wanted to hug him. In our culture, they'd be hugging. This is an amazing, amazing miracle. And let me tell you, some of you should just stop right now and listen That God wants you, that he loves you, that he welcomes you, that it doesn't matter about your past, it doesn't matter about your intentions, it doesn't matter what you bring with you, he wants you. He created you. You belong with him. And whatever else you try outside of that is always going to leave you thirsty and hungry for something more. But he wants you. That's a great sermon right there. <clears throat> That's not the sermon at all. That's the introduction, buddy. We haven't even started yet. Because this isn't even our story. Who's the main story? Who's the main person in this story? It's not the bleeding lady. God bless her. She's healed. But then on the outside of this, we got Jairus. Uh. Jesus, daughter's still sick. She's dying. It's not going to be good. Can we speed it up with this bleeding lady? Can we speed it up with this looking around trying to find someone in the middle of the crowd? Come on, Jesus. I've got a need here. Let me just stop. Let me just stop, okay? In the midst of your journey when it comes to Jesus, in the midst of what you bring to him, your need, dear Lord Jesus, please help me with this. Please help me with my marriage. Please help me with my finances. Please help me with my my addiction. Please help me with my kids. Please help me with my whatever fill in the blank is. And you bring it to him, and he accepts it. But let me tell you this, this is so, so important. His work in your life isn't necessarily gonna just help you with the fill in the blank. He loves you. And there is something happening here. I can give you the rest of the story and I will. There's something happening in Jairus's life that's amazing. And it starts right here and in the midst of this, in the midst of this pain, Jairus is like, come on, why are we waiting? Let's get moving. Some of you feel that. Come on, Jesus. How many times do I have to ask you? How many times do I have to plead with you? Please, 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 please. Everyone else seems to be getting healed. I've had this addiction for years, and everyone else seems to be set free. What's going on? And you become jealous of those other people, you don't understand the delay. Well, to kind of add insult to injury, things get a lot worse for Jairus. While Jesus was still speaking, I believe Jairus is sitting back there. If he had a watch, he's tapping it. Let's get moving, okay? And while Jesus is talking to the woman, having this moment, he should be with Jairus, having his moment, he's with her moment. While he's talking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, with this news. Your daughter is no longer dying, no longer sick, dead. Dude, that's, that's real. That's final. And some of you know that all too clear. You've gotten the call. You've been there, you've held the hands of the someone who's passed on and you know the fear and the pain and the, and the anger that sinks in just in that moment. And Jairus is living it all. He's sitting over here looking at Jesus. Come okay, on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Gets a tap on his shoulder, turns around, and I don't even know if he has to listen to the words. He can see it on their face. The daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? I mean, what's he gonna do? raise her from the dead. Jesus had never done that yet, by the way. This is all new territory. Now in this moment this is beautiful. And and guys you could push pause right here. Well in, in about two minutes. Okay. And that that would be enough for you, because this line that Jesus says is so powerful. Because I believe He takes Jairus in this moment, knowing that Jairus's emotions are 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 about to derail. The train is going; it's about to fall off the trails. He doesn't know what's going to happen. I mean, this is this is serious, all right? This is DEFCON four. It's gone. It's about to go ballistic. I believe He looks right at Jairus and says, "Stay with me, buddy. Come on, come on, stay with me. Stay with me. Everybody stay with you. She's dead." Stupid bleeding lady? Stupid sickness? Stupid Jesus? What are you going to do now? I missed my time. Jesus, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Stay with me. And it's almost too simple to buy into. Almost seems like a lie. Don't be afraid just believe don't be afraid just believe guys guys this is this is the key when it comes to walking with Jesus as soon as things get rocky and sometimes they get terribly rocky we freak out we get scared and there's two natural results to fear fight or flight and both of them lead you away from Jesus. One makes you hard, the other makes you absent. Both of those things are not what Jesus wants for your life. It's not what you were created to be. But the only way to battle that is to choose faith over fear. In that moment, to say, I'm gonna trust in who I know this Jesus is, who I trust he could be for my life, even though my world is falling apart, I've got to believe. And I can't give in to fear. I can give you a laundry list of all the physiological pain you will bring upon your life by just being afraid. Not even talking about the spiritual Now he's talking about the relational. And Jesus realizes all of this is key to Jairus' life. He says, stay with me, man. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. I think if it was me in Jairus' life and I've been there, I've looked Jesus in the eyes and say, listen, I'm done. You can't do anything. You took too long. You waited. Now things have gotten a lot worse. I'm done. And I've seen him stare right back at me, not with judgment, but with love, and says, hey, stay with me, brother. Stay with me, my son. I'm a good, good father. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Well, the story continues, and it's, it's an amazing story. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. He didn't, he didn't let anyone else follow him further down to the house except the people that he knew he was close to and he could trust. Guys, this is interesting that he's choosing these three people, the people that are closest to him. Why? Because something amazing's gonna happen. You can see it. You can start feeling it. As soon as Jairus says, okay, I'm not gonna fear Maybe he's not even to the belief part. Maybe he's just saying, I'm just not going to be afraid. The momentum starts to pick up. Don't be afraid. Just believe. He he didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw the commotion with people wailing, crying, and wailing loudly. He said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, I put the little ellipsis. Can we go back to that slide? Uh, this is one of my favorite little lines. I love to see this happen. Jesus putting people out. I'd like to see what happened. So basically in the custom, when, when someone's dying and they're on their deathbed, you kind of make the funeral arrangements ahead of time. And you guys know what this is like. In this, this custom, you would have people that would actually loudly mourn scream these songs, make this loud commotion with instruments and banging and wailing and, 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 and it's, pretty, it's pretty over the top. Now, he's arrived there in the wailers, the funeral procession, the funeral director, all the preparations are already there and, and Jesus walks up with Peter, James, and John and with Jairus. They walk into the house and all they are, the funeral's already started. And I believe in this moment, Jesus looks over at Jairus and Jairus is like, Oh, come on. Gotta get a break. Seriously? I think Jesus realizes that his faith is wavering at this moment, and Jesus steps in. Notice he doesn't heal the daughter at this point, he doesn't resurrect the daughter at this point. It's coming. But in this point, he separates the distractions from Jairus. Let me tell you, this is one of the most beautiful provisions God will ever give you, is the ability he will say no in your life. He will keep you away from things that will distract you from his purpose. It's a great thing. Sometimes it doesn't feel good, but it's a great thing. Why all this commotion and wailing? They laughed at him after he put them all out. I'd like to see that. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and they went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. At this, they were completely astonished. When I was in the Middle East, I, I shared this story um, to a group of, uh, of people that were from Syria. And their, their particular language uh, wasn't Arabic, it was um, really close to Aramaic, which is close to the, the, the actual word here, ta'itha Kawum. And I remember sharing this time, and I said that word, ta'itha kawoom, and I actually had a girl raise her hand in the back. And she had this big, kind of long, black robe on, and she was an older lady. And afterwards, she came up to me, and I said, you had a question there. Well, what's up? And she said, well, you, in, her, in her language, she was translated, you, you, you pronounced that wrong. Well, Welcome to the club, man. You should hear me try to, try to speak any language, right? I mean, my gosh, what's the pronunciation? She said, no, 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 you got it wrong. I'm like, what do you mean it got it wrong? It says right in the text what it translates. She said, no, no, that's what it means, but that's not what it means. Okay, tell me more. <laughs> You're intriguing here. She says, these are the waking words. These are the words that you say in the morning to get your daughter out of bed. And I'm like, well, I got some words when I had my daughter sleeping." <laughs> Those are the words. <laughs> she meant, little girl, time to get up. Little girl, wake up. Wake up, little girl. And you keep repeating them until they kind of wake up. And I'm like, well, that sounds like the most beautiful home ever in the world, you know? I just pull the covers off my kid and tell. Uh, tell Alexa to play some music and I walk out. That's what I do. Jesus doesn't. You see, at this moment, there's been an awakening. You see, at this moment, there's been a change. Yes, obviously, in the girl's life. But in Jairus' life, there's been an awakening. In Jairus' life, there's been a turn. There's been a transformation. And he I believe, is the one who's astonished. I believe the one who says, wow, all that. (laughs) Couldn't you just heal her from across town? Jesus could do that. No, he went with Jairus. Through the interruption, through the bad report, through the distraction and the commotion. Why? Because that made his faith stronger the band's going to come up we're going to sing that song that we sang and and here's the heart, here's where we want to close some of you can pick your place where you are in that journey some of you right now would say I'm at that point, I want to bring what I have what I need Jesus to do to me, I just want to come to him I just want to bring something to him and I say bring it on, come on Come as you are. What are you waiting for? That's what Jesus is saying. I'm here. Bring it. I don't care about your inclinations. I don't care about your preconceived notions. Just come. Just come. Some of you are, are facing that idea of sitting back there with the clock looking like this and looking at Jesus and saying, wait, wait. It's too late. It's too late. It's too late. Okay, no, no, no. Now it's really too late. Now it's really too late. Now it's over. Some of you are still wrestling with that bad report. That phone call, that email. Hey, your oncologist really needs to talk to you. Hey, you need to come home. Mom's not doing good. Hey, your child's doctor needs to have a conversation with you about their diagnosis. Or fill in the blanks, that bad report, and it haunts you. Don't be afraid, just believe. Some of you are, are not sure what the, how to make sense of all the commotion and the distractions. You don't know what's going on, and all you hear is is the community around you telling you something or or society telling you something that these are what's important, that this is what you need to do, and you just don't know how to make sense of it all. Just, ah. Let me tell you. Wherever you are, he's with you. There's another in the fire. There's another walking through this storm with you. There's another that's right there beside you. Jesus never left Jairus' side, speaking into his life, encouraging him, sometimes stepping in even before the miracle happened to intervene. Let me tell you that's the interaction he wants to have with you today. So let him. Recognize that he's here. Accept his work in your life. Take that next step in faith. And if we can help you in any way, shape, or form, we would love to If you want to pray up here, we can find people to pray with you. I would be honored to pray with you. If you want to pull me aside, you want to shoot me an email or text, or if we can do anything for you in your journey, we would be honored to communicate that there's another in the fire. is with you your charge is don't be afraid just believe let's stand and sing